As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. This is Talk of the Devils, the Manchester United podcast brought to you by The Athletic. I'm Ian Irving and with us today, esteemed company once again, we've got Lawrence Whitwell and Andrew Mitten, the Athletic's finest Manchester United's correspondents, who, um, Andy, in your case, has got a new career now, singing, I believe, and um, you've been flooded by <laughs> requests for new songs. Fantastic. Yeah, I, I wasn't on the last podcast because I, I went to Vegas with Beyonce <laughs> to talk to her people about signing a, a, a contract. Nah, I was absolutely buzzing last week when the Stratford End started singing that song. <laughs> That's the bottom line. I love the way it happened, that we spotted a, a good line. As soon as I heard it, I was straight on the phone to you because I knew that you'd love it as well. <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, yeah, you, you, you were filming it. And I love it that the lads were getting it going underneath the stand at half time. And that's the hard bit. They deserve more credit than anyone, apart from the original songwriter, which was Jeff. I even credited the wrong twin. It was Jeff, not Stu. <laughs> oh, no. And then Andrew P added it in. But yeah, I've had like loads of people now. What about getting this one going? And none of them are as good as that as that one. But yeah, it's it's a line for the future when we need to get songs bouncing, original songs. <laughs> as we said, head of the Champions League final in St. Petersburg, we'll get one going, a different one. Yeah, we missed you on the last podcast, but it was a bit of a moment that inside Old Trafford, Laurie, wasn't it? Yeah, it was lovely. I think it just shows the... Um, it's very uh, rewarding to feel that people listen to the podcast and obviously Andy's superb pitch and tone he hit all the notes absolutely spot on I think that's really what captivated the audience but it was <laughs> it was really cool wasn't it I, I enjoyed listening to it and, and fair play to the guys that got it started yeah it was a synchronised dancing I think on the clip that went viral on Twitter that I think <laughs> in, the, in the yellow jumper going like this that, that seemed to capture everyone's imagination speaking of songs and singing uh the start to this podcast has been delayed because laurie whitwell unsuccessfully has been trying to buy harry styles <laughs> tickets uh, laurie explain yourself please listen sometimes you just gotta do what you gotta do uh you know when you do you <laughs> when you is that a lyric from harry styles is I it i actually don't know i know a few of his songs he's, he's he's a good musician listen and he's a united fan he's playing at old trafford but it seems that it's difficult to get uh, tickets to him sold out can't get them if anyone's got any help 
And did you know anyone who might be able to help? My only link on Harry Styles is about 15 years ago, I was at a party in Sale and I spoke about United to this fella called Des for about an hour. And Des was going out with my then partner's friend's sister. And um, he was a nice lad. And then, like, it was Des Styles. It was it was Harry's dad. <laughs> and um, it was at the time I'd actually been approached to write a book on Take That by someone from Take That. <laughs> And and what? Barlow. Honestly, Williams. Bit, no, no, no. Um. The manager, um, <laughs> Nigel Martin Smith, the guy who brought them all together. So I was in meetings with him at the time, and um, obviously Des Style didn't know that his son was going to become really, really famous. And that's it. You know, he's a nice fellow. We had a nice chat. He's from Home Chapel. A lot of United fans come from Home Chapel who go all the matches. I made the mistake of telling my 11-year-old daughter this about six months ago and she somehow thinks that I know Harry Styles' dad. I'm like, look, I spoke to him for an hour at a party 15 years ago, love. Yeah, but could, could we go and see him and then we could go and see his son? And, I, and then I realised that obviously Harry Styles is very, very popular with young girls and, and, and Laurie Whitwell. <laughs> Can you, I was thinking that was my in then. Can you not get Des on the blower and, and get us a couple of tickets? Right, for me to get to Harry Styles now... I'd have to ring someone I separated from 15 mm. years ago. That would yeah. that'd be fine. I, I, I could do that. Uh, all right, Helen, any chance you could ring Jenny to ring a sister? And I'm not sure she's still with Des, but <laughs> she, <laughs> this ain't happening. I reckon it's easier to solve Russia and Ukraine than for me to get to Harry Styles. I reckon another way would be, as I said, Home Chapel is a big United area. So yeah. Someone there must know him. They must do. Law of averages. So... Has Nell, all them lads from Home Chapel, I hope you're listening, get onto Des Styles for us. He might even listen to this. Our bus from Failsworth always used to do a drop-off and a pick-up at, at Holmes Chapel. I always used to think it was really random. It'd come off the motorway, off the M6, rise to the top of the junction, pick a, a couple of lads up on the grass knoll, and then go over back the other side and go back onto the M6. And it's like, why on earth is it just like random people being picked up in the middle of nowhere? But it's because Holmes Chapel's a massive red area. In fact, I've got an idea for you, Laurie. There's a Chinese restaurant in Holmes Chapel. can't remember the name of it. That basically Harry Styles has been to and uh, Taylor Swift has been to because Harry Styles took her. And Cristiano Ronaldo's been as well. So if anyone could get you tickets, I reckon the proprietor of that Chinese at Holmes Chapel might be worth a shout. It's not far from you, are It's just, just on the road, yeah. Right, I'm in. I can get a nice Chinese afterwards as well. Well, absolutely. <laughs> Martial is isolated. Skirtle here. Right, we need to start with Anthony Martial because that is one thing that has happened. He's left on loan for Sevilla for the rest of the season. What's the structure of this deal, Laurie? Because th- there seems to be a lot of sort of disagreement about whether there's a loan fee, there's not a loan fee. Are they covering all his wages, part part of his wages? What's the truth? It seemed at the start of the window that United would only let Anthony Martial depart for a substantial loan fee and the coverage of all his wages. As it's turned out, they've actually not got a loan fee. United aren't paying any of Anthony Martial's wages, but equally Sevilla aren't paying all of his wages. So Anthony Martial's taking a pay cut to go, uh, which I think is sort of fair credit to him for that. I don't know how much it is exactly, but we thought his wages were about £240,000 a week, which is a significant sum of money, obviously. So I suppose United may be saving, well, four, £4 million, I guess, um, for that for the duration of the, of the loan move. Okay, they're not getting anything on top of that, but they clearly feel that if he goes plays well for Sevilla, which he might well do. You know, a club that has wanted him for a long time, that clearly are going to 
you know, pick him uh, week in, week out. I mean, you look at their social media output since he signed and it's been like United with Cristiano Ronaldo. It's been the Anthony Martial show over in Seville. I didn't realise that black gloves were a thing, actually. Is that is that like Martial's calling card? I thought it was bizarre. That's his kind of look, isn't it? A bit, you know, short sleeves and, and black gloves ready to ready for action. Right. Um, I don't know. But United clearly hope that he goes over there, does well, and then in the summer, really, it, it should be a parting of the way, shouldn't it? But at least his value should have gone up by this point. Um, but we've seen last summer, sorry, last year with Jesse Lingard where he went to West Ham, tore up trees and then it didn't didn't get sold. Marshall thing. United have, interestingly, waived a loan fee. Andy, you've been very busy, haven't you, on Spanish radio explaining to them all that Anthony Martial blows hot and cold. What, what What's that in Spanish? Claro, estuve en Radio Ayer en Andalucía. Sí, sí. este tema. Yeah, there's a, there's a huge amount of interest in Andalusia, less so in Madrid and, and Barcelona. They're very, very excited. As Laurie said, their social media output has been prolific. I actually saw more of Anthony Martial's personality in some of their social media videos than I saw in years of him at Manchester United. And I've, I've been to his barrio in, um, in Paris, where he's from. He's from the same... Uh, area as, as uh, Thierry Henry and, pa- and Patrice Evra and he's, he's very well respected there and uh, we could talk about him for hours about how he's perceived by Manchester United fans that there are some United fans who are obsessed by him that I think support for him at matches eb- eb- ebbs and flows I think it's potentially really good for him not bad for United and really good for Sevilla I've done a big piece on this for the Athletic and there's loads of detail in there Sevilla second and for them um, they've only lost two games this year. They're short of of goals, and they've got Real Madrid at home. Real Madrid are four points ahead of them, but there's a sense of now or never because um, Atletico Madrid, the champions, are weaker than they were. They're not they're not retaining the league. Barcelona are way off the pace. Sevilla have got a really good manager. They've got a really good team. Um, their home is is a fortress. It's absolutely conceivable that they'll beat Madrid uh, at home. They just needed a bit more quality and more goals in attack. They've got some fantastic players. He's moving to a great city. It's the hottest, sunniest major city in, in Western Europe. And uh, he feels it's, it's a year of the World Cup. Deschamps, the France manager, really likes Anthony Martial. He was playing for France in competitive games as recently as, as September. If he can do what Lingard did and be a star there, and I suspect he can. Also, there's a sense that it's a real... Coupe for La Liga, that's why you had Ronaldo, the Brazilian Ronaldo, doing doing that video. He's got no obvious connection with Sevilla and he was welcoming Anthony Martial there. So they feel that they've got a star from Manchester United and he's still young and, and he could be good for them. So I can see why it stacks up. And as Laurie said, it was Anthony who pushed it through. He would have been better off financially if he'd stayed at Old Trafford. He just wants to play football and, and good luck to him. We could talk about whether he was a success or not at Old Trafford until the cows come home. He wouldn't be getting sold if he'd been a, a, a huge success. Andy was saying there, we've seen more of his personality since he's arrived in, in Spain, it seems, than all his time in Manchester. Is it just the fact that he's sort of being given top billing there and he's being indulged a little bit more? Is, is that maybe something that he, he didn't get in Manchester. He arrived, obviously, to a massive fanfare. The goal against Liverpool is probably still the best memory any of us have. Well, the one season that he did get top billing was 2019-20, and, you know, he got the number nine shirt restored to him that he'd had taken off him when Zlatan Ibrahimovic came. Even that was a sort of statement of 
his status in a way, wasn't it? Being t- a shirt number being taken off him. I know it's happened to Cavani as well, but that felt more of a, a dialogue, I suppose, with Cavani and Ronaldo. Whereas this was, I think, basically Marshall was told you've not got this shirt anymore, and he had got his branding, you know, Marshall Nine or whatever it might be, um, all sort of geared up towards that number. And okay, commercial. Um, imperatives can be cast aside, really, but I think psychologically it probably did have an impact on him. Now you can you can you can criticise him for each time another player has come in to kind of sort of uh, vie for that spot, starting spot with him. He seems to have shrunk a little bit. So you've had obviously Lukaku as well, and then Cavani, um, you know, last season. So whereas in 2019-20 he had that number nine, that centre forward role, and he went and scored, you know, 20. Um, 20 goals for Manchester United in that season um, so that's a, a pretty good return even then you know, there were still bits about his game that we all know in terms of his perhaps hold up play aggression perhaps in, in as that focal point but he certainly had a really good season and that was as you say when he was kind of given this uh, platform I suppose to shine and, and speaking to people at the time I wrote a piece about it at the, the very start he just scored against Wolves you know that really good left foot finish into the roof of the net and People were saying, actually, I know he doesn't smile an awful lot. He does have a sense of humour. 100%. He's almost misunderstood in that sense. You speak to people around the club, around the training ground, they don't tell you that it's a, you know, he's a sulky player yeah. or he's a moody player. It's almost the opposite of that, in fact. He's got a wicked sense of humour, yeah. but we just haven't seen it. I think perhaps this month, he he has the mood has darkened a little bit because he's wanted to go. So I don't think he's been particularly great. That's different, around, isn't it? Yeah, yeah the training that's pitches. different, of course. I take your point. I think that Sevilla have clearly realised that he needs to be shown the love to get the best out of him. Um, but he, but he has, like I say, he has been shown the love at United at, at different points, and he hasn't perhaps p- properly seized the initiative. And we've written about it before, haven't we? You know, last summer, difficult to get hold of when he's away. You know, he had that misunderstanding with Jose Mourinho in 2018. He had the misunderstanding with Ralph Rangnick more recently. So you know, there's there's certain areas that he he could have been better in for sure but but clearly Sevilla are absolutely delighted to have him so let's see if he he flourishes over there here's Lingard Jesse Lingard it is the scenario that West Ham fans were dreading the player who reignited his career on loan here last season okay so Martial has departed another player well, I don't know, it's looked like he's been departing for about 18 months now, but he's still with us, Jesse Lingard. Um, despite that bizarre TikTok video that's been going around of Ralph Rangnick almost saying the world exclusive that Lingard is leaving in the summer. At the time of recording, he's still a Manchester United player. How likely is he still to be a Manchester United player once the window shuts, Laurie? 50-50, I think. I mean, some people say that the deal to Newcastle is dead, um, but then again, this is the January transfer window. It could be a negotiating could, position, it, couldn't it? It, it, yeah. it clearly is, I think, from both sides, a negotiation, negotiating position. But still that might mean that he doesn't go you know it might mean actually they they both are entrenched in their stances or it might mean that one side kind of um buckles or blinks um too late and and and, you know another player maybe has gone to Newcastle or United really can't let him go you know for whatever reason Covid outbreak or something so it seems to me that that's the the situation as it stands clearly United are asking for a lot of money so it's his wages in full 
it's a loan fee, which is, I think, about two and a half million, and then it's a survival bonus. So if Newcastle stay up, it'll be a big chunk of cash um, coming to United if, if they agreed to that. And so far, they've said no. United, from their point of view, will say that if Newcastle stay up, it's worth 100 million or whatever to them. And if Lingard's played a key role in that, therefore, United should be reimbursed for that situation. Newcastle, you know, fairly justifiably are saying this is a sort of unprecedented level for a guy that's out of contract in the summer. Um, you know, United, you know, we'll lose him for nothing in the summer. So, you know, is there a, a case to say, actually get some money in now for a player who, like Anthony Marshall, isn't happy right now at Old Trafford? Harry's had a question for you as well, Laurie. I'm presuming it's not your One Direction <laughs> favourite. I'm presuming it's another Harry. Uh, but he says, hi, Laurie, could you explain, please, why we'd price Lingard out of a loan move only to have him spend six unhappy months on the bench. And of course, like you were saying, then lose him for free. One of the factors is Newcastle's ownership. So you've got uh, a very wealthy uh, backer there, you know, a, a, a sovereign wealth fund, and United have already been bruised sufficiently by a similar scene down the road at the Etihad. So I guess at the back of their minds, maybe they're thinking, like a lot of other Premier League clubs are thinking, you know, we, we heard stories about the fact that, you know, they were trying to change the rules about whether Newcastle could be sponsored by Saudi Arabian companies, you know, and, and perhaps at inflated prices. Um, so there was, a, there was a pushback against that with rule changes. It is that at play where United are thinking, well, if Newcastle stay up this season, then they're just going to kick on in the summer and, and, you know, they're going to become a challenger to us for European places, top four, whatever, even title in, in seasons to come. Whereas if they go down, then they're going to have to rebuild. It's not an easy situation necessarily I don't think that's the driving force I think clearly they want to what they feel is get uh, a fair reflection for, for Jesse Lingard but I think given you've, you've seen that, that clip from Ralph Rannick is you know he, he's just saying things as he sees them isn't he at the moment now, he, he's kind of coming out quite forcefully whether that will you know obviously clearly had a disagreement with Marshall whether Jesse Lingard is happy with him sort of saying something like that but equally it is the situation you know it's not he's not saying anything that's kind of revelatory so I think sort of you know fair, fair enough to sort of say it I mean maybe to a fan who's filming him is a bit of an odd um, circumstance but you know I suppose he's trying to show himself to the fans and supporters um, so but I do I do wonder if coming to deadline this is something that everyone gets around the table again and, and tries to thrash it out so with Lingard in, in addition to uh, what Laurie said United's feeling is they don't want to sell to a rival our Newcastle arrival not at the moment they're not but they could be because clearly they've got good money behind them and they're going to probably become strong. It's not just Newcastle. Everton have been interested. Everton are in chaos at the moment. I know this has been a position that United have had for, for quite some time that they won't sell to rivals. Obviously, in the past, it was the, the, the sort of one or two teams who were in direct competition for the Premier League title. But ultimately, aren't United deciding that these players aren't good enough for them? So what should what, why should they be so nervous at at deciding that and then being worried about selling them to a rival. I mean, Sergio Romero was another example of this uh, that we've talked about before going to Everton. If United decided he was their third-choice keeper, why would they be worried about him playing for Everton? I think with this Lingard one, there's several versions of the truth as to what's going on. There's there's mixed messages coming out. You've seen headlines that Jesse's not happy. Well, Jesse sent mixed messages as well. And at the moment, he wants to leave. Did he always want to leave? At the moment, he wants to leave. Okay, so I am not uncomfortable with how Manchester United are playing this. As he showed at West Ham last year, he has got the potential and the talent to go into a, a club 
like Newcastle or like Everton and be their best player. So there's clearly a value to that. He's been an England international. He's played in World Cup semi-finals. He's still young. He's still fit. Yes, it's unfortunate how this season has played out for him uh, so far. Uh, yes, he was led to believe he was going to be featuring a lot more than than he has done. And when he has come on in those small packets in matches, he's actually done he's done all right. Uh, but he'll have his own demands as well. So you're not getting every fact here to find out what's going on. So there's brinkmanship, as we said at the start of the conversation. Newcastle United are the ones who need to stay up here. But equally, if there was a COVID outbreak, if there were injuries, would it be an absolute disaster if Manchester United brought him back into the first team? No, it wouldn't. United need a squad as well. At the moment, he wants to go, so that may force it. And in the case of Anthony Martial, he took lower wages to force it so that he could go. But I think United have been played too often in the transfer market. And if the club are taking a harder line, I'm not uncomfortable with that. Laurie, you were sort of nodding, um, furrowing your brow, scratching your head, smiling uh, and... You may have broken wind halfway through that as well. Just explain what you were feeling while Andy was talking. <laughs> I think what I was nodding at was the idea that, that Lingard has kind of always wanted to go. So certainly there's, there's people at the United that feel that at the start of the window, he did he was happy to stay. You know, he doesn't want to go. And then Newcastle have come in with a substantial financial offer, you know, because he's not one of the best played players at Manchester United. You know, he's, he's kind of middling. It's still a very good salary. I think it's like 100 grand a week. Newcastle, you know, it sounds like they could even double his money, you know, if he goes there. You can understand that, that desire to then go and, and you know, have six months of, you know, double your pay. I think any of us would like to do that. So, so United, for their point of view, are probably thinking, well, okay, if that's the case, fine. But equally, we want some, you know, money in the same way. Um, so, you know, United aren't short of a few, Bob, but equally, Newcastle are now... <laughs> You know they can absolutely outspend them really if they wanted to. So that's why I think United are more cautious than you know. As, as Andy says, Anthony Marshall took a wage cut to go. Jesse Lingard's kind of going to go the other way to, to get to Newcastle. But I, I still, you know, I still feel that come deadline there might be something that that moves. Andy, do you think anyone else could leave? There's been links. It seems all month with Eric Bailly leaving Manchester United. We'll talk about what Eric's been up to the last 24 hours uh, a little bit later on. One matter, maybe even Donny Van der Beek's been linked with Crystal Palace. What do you understand to be the truth in all, in all the other players who, who may or may not leave? All those players you mentioned want to play more football. Uh, none of them are going to get the wages that they get at Manchester United. If they push it and accept lower wages, then there would be room for negotiation. As Ralph Rangnick said about Anthony Martial, it takes several parties to come together to find an agreement here. So time is, is running short. Um, United aren't going to get rid of of all of them or move all of them on because United need need a squad as well for that run up to the, the Champions League final in, in May in St. Petersburg. We need plenty of players for that. So it would be players pushing it, players accepting less. There's not been much noise bubbling around um, un, under some of them. Uh, uh, Donny had spoke to Everton. Everton seemed to have looked at a lot of Manchester United players at the end of the last window, there were absolutely people at United who understood that he was going to go to Everton, but that did, didn't happen. Um, I think Donny van der Beek 
needs to be playing football on a regular basis because it's getting a little bit ridiculous and we're asked as journalists why don't you ask the manager about Donny like he's getting asked every week yeah but why don't you ask him even more well he's getting asked every week every manager's been asked about him we've got the answers and every manager in their mind is not choosing him they are they all wrong or is the next Messi waiting to jump out and prove himself well if that's so great go and play play football that's what you're good at doing is what you could be happiest doing. Um, but as we stand at the moment, I've got no concrete evidence that he's, he's leaving Manchester United. Yeah, Laurie, I think you've written about it. So is it United sort of pushing him out on loan? Is it Crystal Palace trying to entice him in? Is it is it Van der Beek even pushing to go out on loan? Because there is so much talk around him. I mean, we've spoken so much about a guy who's barely even started a Premier League football match since he's arrived in Manchester. Um, spoken so much about him. I, I'm struggling to remember a United player who's played so little and yet been talked about so much. A sign of the times, really, um, because you've got... Oh, I'm Harry. <laughs> I was trying to figure it out how to get it in there. What What were the uh, What were the One Direction fans called? They had a name, didn't Directioners, they? weren't they, I think? It, were you a directioner? <laughs> I quite I quite liked them when they came through on the X Factor. Now, now I know, Andy, now I know what the quiff's about. Uh, there's a good question there. Were you a directioner? He sort of laughed it off and said, I quite like them. Were you, yes no, or no, I was a directioner? Not, I was not. I've got a good segue here. From, from not getting Harry Styles tickets to a player that's not managing to get out of Man United right now, back to Donny. I think that Donny would like to leave, clearly. I think he might even be you know, looking at the, the Palace situation and thinking that's, that's an opportunity for me to get into a Premier League team on the regular. But then you look at Conor Gallagher down at Palace and he's he's been brilliant. And you think, would, is that the position that Donny would, would go into? Palace are in, in contact with Manchester United over this move. You know, There's some that say, actually, they think it could happen. But clearly, from United's point of view, again, it'll be wages and then the prospect of a loan fee and they'll have to decide whether or not they think that it's better for him to go and get games and his values increase and his his kind of positivity around playing football is back for the you know the next manager whoever comes in in the summer or whether they think actually no we need to keep him in house he could be useful for us and let's see if we can make something work but the the question about why isn't he being picked I think I had a flick of this in one of my pieces recently there is that sort of just debate about whether and, and you can criticise this as a, as a view but whether his athleticism is, is up to up to scratch really for the Premier League for the rigours of, of playing that kind of pace week in week out because Ajax I suppose the you know they did press high but it, you know, they were the dominant team in Ajax and they they had a lot of the ball and they could perhaps you know rest a little bit during games I, I guess as well if he did have a, a loan move for the second half of the season somewhere in the Premier League it would give him the opportunity then to be able to build up yeah to the level required, that the, the chance that he may not be given at United. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. 
we've mentioned that the January transfer window is open. We've mentioned that Manchester United aren't playing football matches at the minute. One thing that is ongoing is Manchester United's hunt for a new manager. David Ornstein writing in his column on Monday in The Athletic uh, said that United were, quote, stepping up their hunt for a new boss with Pochettino, Ten Hag, Enrique and Lopetegui. Oh, no, I've done it again, Laurie. What? You said Lopetegui? it right before. Is it? What's I don't his name? know. I'm just guessing. Sounded better than me. Um, what have you heard, Andy? Well, David's right, and United are stepping up the hunt, but they're always going to do that because Manchester United football team need a manager. You know, they can't just let go to next season with no manager, just letting, like, you know, Diogo the lot choose the team or whatever. So they've got a manager. I don't think the decision's been made yet. I think it's pretty fluid. I think the names that have been mentioned are the likely contenders. We all speak to different people. We all get different pieces of information. You also have the managers themselves jockeying for position, and them putting forward or flashing their, their their eyelashes saying, yeah, I'd absolutely be interested in that. I don't think the decision's been made. And I think that some of those names are more attractive than others. I think if you asked United fans at the moment, Ten Hag from Ajax would be would be the favourite. The one that they'd most like to see. Luis Enrique is a fantastic manager, but this is a World Cup year. And he laughed off suggestions. Um, Lopetegui at Sevilla, where we spoke about him earlier on in the podcast. His star was... Rising, rising and rising and rising and then he, he he messed up in the the World Cup by agreeing to join Real Madrid just just ahead of that but this severe team this year I mean Anthony Martial could basically he could choose, choose the, the next, next manager, manager by he? leading Sevilla to the title <laughs> he's going round like that a hero nice one I'm going to um, go and manage Manchester United now. come on Tony we're off to Manchester come on Anto let's yeah. get back show me around. brilliant over there <laughs> Let's get 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 me a flat in Cheetah Mill and we're going to smash it and win the league at Old Trafford. Who needs now. beautiful orange trees lining in the streets? Yeah, exactly. In terms of the decision, then Laurie, um, who's going to make it? Richard Arnold, uh, John Murta, Ralph Rangnick, <laughs> Anthony Martial. Well, I mean, you've forgotten Joel Glazer as well, who, who you know at the top of the tree. Yeah, um, it's, go, it's going to be yeah. yeah. Richard Arnold is is clearly going to take a, a key sort of have have a key influence here. John Murta. Football director, they want him to be, you know, more prominent, you know, more involved in the decision making process. Clearly, he was very um, involved with the Ralph Rangnick hire. You know, that was kind of his baby almost, I think. So it's going to be a combination. Darren Fletcher, I guess, will be consulted over, you know, what his thoughts are uh, from a sort of technical perspective. But I mean, as Andy said, I don't know exactly when it's going to start in earnest. I mean, Lopetegui, Lopetegui. I used to call him Lopetengi. I don't know where the N came from. That's definitely wrong. Um, That's definitely but wrong. But he he was put into yeah. United by George Mendes um, during the time that you know Solskjaer was kind of on, on on the brink. So he's been kind of bubbling under as a as a potential candidate. But yeah, obviously Ten Hag, Pochettino are the two that I think have had the most kind of eyes on them as potential candidates. I sort of flip back and forth between thinking that Pochettino give him United and he could actually do something good he's obviously having a, perhaps a bit of a difficult spell at PSG which is a similar kind of situation where you've got big stars and, and big scrutiny and you're expected to win things Ten Hag has clearly introduced a really fluid entertaining style of play at Ajax and he's done well in the Champions League this season I think that's the key thing from a kind of a, a Europe-wide perspective but I do wonder about him then coming to England and the scrutiny that you get at Manchester United it's just a different level of kind of eyeballs on you there's I think in, in Holland oddly you know he he kind of I think some of the local journalists there have kind of prodded and made, made fun of him a little bit because he's not from Amsterdam so he's got like a kind of ac- accent in, in Dutch that is kind of a bit out there and, and he's kind of had to come through that and he's, I don't think he's been the most 
comfortable speaking. I think he's worked on it and developed it and got better. But I do, that just makes me think, I wonder how that would then translate to him speaking English in, in this country and, and having big egos to manage. So there's there's kind of pros and cons for all of them. Let's move it on then. Let's talk about another note from uh, David Ornstein's column on, on Monday. Uh, and this is from Daniel Taylor uh, writing that the, the new CEO, Richard Arnold for Manchester United, who's due to start in about a week as well, is looking to build bridges with former players interesting note that isn't it Laurie why would that be so significant I think it just shows what kind of chief executive he wants to be Um, certainly we've written about it previously when he was taking charge that he has for a number of months now uh, made contact with various stakeholders in the game certain fan groups for example other people within the organisation you know perhaps that wouldn't expect the chief executive to get in touch and kind of ask what their jobs are like and, and what could be better so I think that's a smart move and then clearly, you know, someone like Gary Neville, he has criticised the club, you know, pretty frequently, pretty pretty sternly. Clearly, over the Super League thing, you know, that was whole uh, gasoline that was poured on the situation. I mean, Edward would would joke, I think, privately to to friends that you know perhaps he should have given Gary Neville a job, which would have instantly diffused the situation. So I guess Richard Arnold is kind of getting in there early, and he knows, doesn't he, that you know that these things can start with good meaning, good intentions, and and let's see how it develops. Ed started like that. Ed met former players. Ed met Gary Neville, but Gary is paid to be an honest pundit and he's got to tell it how it is. His loyalty should be the people who are paying his wages when he's working for Sky. And if Manchester United are terrible, he should be saying that. And at times, Manchester United have been terrible and Paul Scholes has been even more blunt about it. It shows the power of their influence, doesn't it? Usually influence. And I think that Ed Woodward would, would admit that you know, he was badly buffeted by by some of the stuff. I think the, Richard can learn from Ed's mistakes. Richard's based in Manchester, whereas Ed was largely uh, in, in in London. Richard has communicated very well with with fan groups. He's been a former player at dinners. There's lots of good stories about Richard. And yet, on the other hand, he's on a hide into nothing because I've edited United We Stand for 32 years, and I've never known a popular chief executive chairman call call them what you are. They they get they get stick. End of. And also because he he will be seen as a face for the Glazer family, they're never going to be popular either with most Manchester United fans. So he's got a difficult job, but he can definitely learn from some of Ed's mistakes. And he's not got Alex Ferguson retiring on him like Ed Woodward had. In fairness to Ed Woodward, who also did some good things, you know. His spell at United will be remembered quite rightly, poorly, because United didn't win anything in terms of the the league titles under him. And Ed said some stuff which he, he shouldn't have said. But... Under him, United pushed for, for safe standing, for example. I thought United were excellent in lockdown when other clubs weren't. So it wasn't wasn't always a, a disaster, but Manchester United are a football club and they'll be judged by what happens on the football pitch and you, you cannot say he's been a successful reign under Ed Woodward. So Richard Arnold need, needs allies. And if he has a fractious relationship with someone like Gary Neville, if they agree and disagree, as they have done in the past, you know, if Gary Neville and his cohorts build a hotel very close to Old Trafford, Richard Arnold is entitled to say, what are your plans here? What's going on here? And they might have a robust conversation. That's fine. That's normal business. The more knowledge he can get for Manchester United, because he's still learning on it, because he wasn't a United fan as a kid. He wasn't a football fan as a kid. He's learning all the time. He's meeting people all the time. He's not going to know the names of all 900 people who work at Manchester United. So he's learning. He's learning, ah, okay, I've heard about you. Um, but he has been at the club a long time as well. He's got a tough job. I, I hope he does it well. This episode is supported by FX's Welcome to Wrexham. 
Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the team's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher league. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenge and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. All new Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, as promised, let's open the mailbag. I think we've only had one question in the pod so far, so we need to pull our socks up, Laurie, don't we? Uh, Because you had a great response uh, to your request for questions to answer on the podcast. So we'll get through a few of them now. Uh, First up, Joe, just wondering if the noise from the changing room has improved since the last few results. From what I've read, some of the players were questioning the credentials of the manager and the new faces he brought in, but the players do seem more together and they seem to be taking on board what they're being asked to do. Interesting point, Laurie. Yeah, for sure. Um, And clearly results change perceptions and change mood, don't they? So, you know, the fact that United are on an okay bit of form now, um, I think certainly has helped the situation. Inevitably, the, the, there were going to be questions over a coach like Chris Armas just because of where he'd come from, the MLS, the, perhaps the American bias, the fact that you know he, he had been sacked from his previous two jobs. So it's not like he's coming in with a kind of authority that's ready there established. So I think when United are thinking, you know, United players are thinking, is this the way that we should be playing? Those kind of doubts perhaps creep in. But clearly, you know, I do feel like they seem to be working coordinatedly on the pitch to, to greater productivity. They could be creating more chances. I think that's probably one thing. But at the same time, they, they you know they've obviously brought the goals against down you know pretty decently. So, but clearly it's been a, a fairly gentle run. So we'll see how it sort of develops when the, the harder matches come. Um, but it's, it seems like it's an okay situation. It's it's certainly I don't think it's all you know sunshine and happiness twenty four seven. There's there's clearly other players in there that still you know would like to leave or that are kind of disgruntled at playing time. But overall, I think the mood is is okay. And I guess we'll just see. You know, as I say, results depend on everything really next question Andrew M is asking Andrew M are United considering any of these free agent centre midfielders which there seems to be a large number of I don't know who Ralph Rangnick wants to play in midfield for Manchester United I don't expect any central midfielders to sign for United uh, in this transfer window and I'd rather not speculate I'd rather have hard information from from what I'm told I know that um Rice is definitely someone who a lot of people at United have have liked. I don't know what Ralph Rangnick thinks of of Declan Rice. And it's one thing, people at the club liking him. And would it be Ralph Rangnick signing him anyway? Because we don't even know whether he's going to be manager or not. So there's a lot in the air. So it's very easy for us to speculate with with transfers. I'd just rather not do it. I'd rather if I talk about it, say, okay, for Gundo Palestre, he's signing and he's signing tomorrow. Bang. And um, that's where we're at. I know, I, I do know that uh, Rangnick trusts uh, Fred and Scott McTominay. That's why they are starting all of the time. Uh, They are two of the players who he feels will carry out their instructions 
And that's one of the reasons why Anthony Alanga has been starting as well. He has trust in what he feels is their ability to listen and to carry out his instructions on the pitch. It all sounds very Van Haal-esque, this, doesn't it? But I think he's been I think he's been right with Elanga. I think he's called it absolutely right with him. Very Van Haal, yeah. There was a lot of sort of unknown youngsters getting a chance that season. That had a lot to do with the red zone injury stuff as well, which we'll talk about, I'm sure, at a future pod at some point. This principle that players were going to get injured, so they didn't play because they were going to get injured as opposed to actually being injured. Next question, James. Hi, Laurie. What are the chances? Actually, this is nice because you just talked about Alanga. What are the chances of a lot of young players playing a not insignificant role, which means playing a significant role next year uh, and getting a proper chance like Alanga? Uh, not half League Cup appearances, but league appearances. Uh, we could have Martial, Cavani, Mata, Lingard, Donny, Pogba, all gone. Yes, the squad needs trimming, but a chance for the likes of Hannibal, Garner, Shurati, Ray, Palestri, Ahmad. It's great to see Alanga getting a chance, so more would be brilliant. What do you think? Yeah, I think Alanga's done really well, hasn't he? Um, there was a talk at the start of this month that he might go out on loan, you know, get some experience, but clearly that's not going to happen. He has you know, taken his chance in the first team really well uh, I think there was some debate about whether he'd start against West Ham you know sort of two games in quick succession at his sort of young age it's, it's a lot it's intense on the mind as well as the body uh, I think he did well though against West Ham and you could see that he was tired by the end though and it, it was the right call to sort of take him off so I think I mean like I said we've said, said before Solskjaer really rated him last pre-season for the same reasons that Ralph Ranick does, you know, he listens and he carries out instructions to a T pretty much. So I would imagine that he has another good, you know, pre-season hopefully with Manchester United and then it sticks around. And I could I could see him, you know, as you, as as, uh, as James said, you know, there's, there's going to be players that go, you're thinking Lingard, you're thinking Martial, possibly Pogba as well, Cavani. So that, that forward section probably will need some kind of um, support and, and I think he would, would slot in well there. He's touched on quite a few other players there. Hannibal is someone that I think we'll be writing about uh, pretty soon on The Athletic. He's away with Tunisia uh, at the African Cup of Nations at the moment. Not playing all that much, I have to say. So that's a kind of an interesting area. He's, he's a top, you know, could be a top player, um, certainly top player for the under-23s. Has he properly kicked on this season? That's the kind of question, I think, at the moment. James Garner's gone out on loan. Hannibal could have gone out on loan, didn't basically, went to the AFCON instead. James Garner's been out on loan at Forest and, and has had a good run. And I'd be interested to see if he can perhaps, I think probably another Premier League loan is next before he comes into the first team. Shomitire probably needs a loan somewhere because he's he's still very young. He's played 23s football, so you know he needs a step up first there. And yeah, Palistri, I think he's, he's done well over in Alaves. Andy would know more than me, but again, perhaps bring back I think all these players you know it's it's difficult we all like to see young players coming through but it is a big step into the first team consistently to play with the scrutiny with the pressure particularly with the kind of way that the atmosphere has been around the club this season so it's a, it's a balance really it's a, it's a huge step Palestra has been called up to the, the full Uruguay squad so he's making progress but he's been a struggling Alaves team who've changed the, the manager he could have had more minutes this year um, and and as Laurie said, it is a huge jump up from playing uh, championship football, not just to playing Premier League football, but to standing out for one of the teams who are supposed to be at the top of the Premier League. It's all about consistency. It's not just about coming in and having one good game. That's why I was uh, pleased that Alanga came in, not only did well against Villa, but did well against um, Brentford as well. Um, less so against West Ham. He had the quietest of his games there. And it depends on the manager. The manager might see something in a player and also on the circumstances. Marcus Rashford's, uh, the circumstances around his debut um, were because of a serious 
set of injuries to the other players. He got his chance, he took his chance, confidence goes through the roof. So you've always got these youngsters jockeying for position as well. Sometimes impatience from the people around them, they want them to be getting more minutes. But it's very, very difficult to establish yourself as a as a top, top player at Manchester United. We've seen Brandon Williams. He was fantastic when he was coming through. He had a really good first few months. And then the reality strikes. Is this guy good enough to be playing all the time for Manchester United? Or does he need to go out on loan, improve his, his trade, go somewhere where he's getting games, where he's getting really tough matches? And the answer, as, as Laurie uh, wrote when he went to see him in Norwich, was to go out on loan. Yeah, you mentioned a moment ago, Laurie, about Hannibal. Uh, so he's played two of Tunisia's four matches at, at AFCON so far. Of course, he's now Manchester United's last standing uh, representative in that tournament. He was an unused sub as the as Tunisia beat Nigeria, which was a bit of a shock in the last 16. They'll play Burkina Faso now on Saturday. Uh, and the reason he's the last player at AFCON for United is because Eric Bailly, um, being Eric, um, took a one-step no-look penalty in a penalty shootout after a nil-nil draw after extra time against Egypt and missed, and uh, his country, the Ivory Coast, ended up losing 5-4 on penalties. It gave Mohamed Salah the chance to win it, which I'm sure uh, Liverpool fans will have enjoyed, as well as uh, Egyptians. Uh, and Eric Bailly was the fall guy again. Just a quick note while we're talking about international football as well, another United youngster, Zidane Iqbal, is likely to make his senior international debut this afternoon for Iraq against Iran, in Tehran in a World Cup qualifier, which will be an incredible experience for him to kick off his international career in what is probably one of the most fierce international derbies in world football. Um, another lad, like we were talking about, Vantadi Alanga, who's got an extremely diverse background but speaks with a Mancunian accent. Right, last question then from Dom. Uh, having chased Kieran Trippier for most of the summer to no avail, despite him wanting to come to Old Trafford, why did we go so quiet and allow Newcastle to sign him so easily without a fight? Some interesting detail, actually, in Alan Shearer's chat for The Athletic with Kieran Trippier that's up on The Athletic at the minute that's got a Manchester United link, Andy, isn't there? Yeah, United wanted Kieran Trippier before this season and Kieran Trippier wanted to join Manchester United. And there was a real desire on both sides. Unfortunately, Kieran Trippier had signed a contract to play for Atletico Madrid and they said, we're not selling you. And if we sell you, we're going to charge the earth for you. And that's why it, it didn't go through. Um, Kieran Trippier always wanted to come back to to Northern England. He, he, he had reasons. Why didn't United go for him again? Well, United have got 16 different managers this season. So it was, would have been Ole Gunnar Solskjaer who, who would have brought him in. You've had a, an emergence of Diogo Dalot, who's been one of the best players. So there are all these these micro factors as well. How do you know that Kieran Trippier wanted to come back to Northern England? Because I was impressed by your Des Styles link. This is going to blow it out of the water, isn't it? All right, I don't know Kieran Trippier, right? But but you do know my little nephews, my sister's kids, who are two little City fans, season ticket holders. This is disgraceful. This is that this has ever been allowed to happen sent me a picture after Atletico won the league last year um, with a message from Kieran Trippier. What? And he, he rang him from the team bus having won the league. What on earth's going on here? And I obviously limit my communication with my, my sister's kids because they go to City. And they're, all, they're always giving me grief. Like, they rang me up last week. Um, singing however many points City are ahead of United. 22 points or whatever it was. I'm like, 
do one, you little divs ringing me up. I pay some respect to your elders. Anyway, um, their dad, my brother-in-law, this is this is even more tenuous than Dead Styles. This his dad, Chris, Chris Bezik, Big Blue. His son is very very close friends with Kieran, so that the, there was the link there, and that's why my nephews ended up getting, um, yeah. So they 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 knew them. They're from Berry, like the Trippier family are from Berry. Um, I think the Trippier family are United fans, Manchester United fans, as opposed to Newcastle United fans. Both now, probably. So yeah, I got a, I got a message last March when I was going to Madrid to cover Real Madrid Atalanta. Um, would you like to do something with Kieran? Yeah, no problem. I'll go and meet him. I'll go and have a coffee with him in Madrid. Didn't happen for various reasons. I'd never spoken to him, but people in my family know him. Were you keeping up with that family link, Larry? I, I like it. If if there's not a niche sort of link that Andy's got, it, I think Andy is six degrees of separation from literally everyone on the planet. Certainly every footballer on the planet. And it's actually wonderful to behold. And we just get these little nuggets, don't we? Deposited just in the, in the old podcast episode. But A peek behind the curtain. That's I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. laying the blame at Kieran Trippier not being at Man United at Andy's door, to be fair. I think he should have sealed the deal. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that, that ship has sailed. But it was in, it, the interview with Alan Shearer is interesting. I mean, he, he sort of touches on Man United, doesn't he? He sort of says, you know, we had we had conversations, but Atletico just wanted my release clause, and it was a lot of money for a thirty-year-old. So there's there's a bit of detail in that in that Alan Shearer interview with Kieran Trippier on the on the Athletic. Yep, go and have a look at that if you're interested. Definitely, and don't forget the thirty-three percent discount is back. You can get a third offer subscription to the Athletic at theAthletic.com forward slash Man United Pod. And remember, the Athletic are recording daily transfer shows bringing you exclusive news and insight on any deals during the January window. The only place you can hear these podcasts is on the Athletic app or by subscribing to the Athletic UK Audio Plus on Apple Podcasts. Start your free trial today. But it leaves me to say, Laurie, Andy, thank you very much for your company as always. That went in directions that I never expected. But for Laurie, we all know there is truly only one direction. We'll see you on the next one. Great stuff, Ian. Well done. Athletic.